Hi, this is Rabbi Eric Levy. I'm pleased to bring to you the fifth Aliyah, the fifth section of the Parsha of Noah in the book of Genesis. Usually, a new Aliyah begins a new topic. Not always, but usually. As the divisions of Aliyot are, are done pretty carefully to separate different ideas. However, here we will see that this Aliyah rests heavily on the end of the previous one, or on the... the the entirety of the previous one. And God said to Noah and to his sons with him, saying. Now the combination Vayomer and Lemor, Vayomer XLY Lemor, is not the same as Vayidaber XLY Lemor. Vayidaber XLY Lemor is always a command. It introduces a commandment. But Vayomer followed by Lemor is not a commandment really. It's um, used for strong offers and suggestions, ideas, as well as introducing quite a few covenants. Um, and that's exactly what we have here. We have an introduction of a co- covenant. But this whole Aliyah begs the following question. Why does God need to offer a covenant that he won't destroy the earth and the things in it at all? First of all, God already promised that he wouldn't destroy the world. In the previous Aliyah, he said, I will not continue to smite all living things as I have done. And another few words as to that uh, in that same vein. Secondly, a covenant usually requires, or a covenant does require, commitment on both sides. I do my part of the deal, you do your part of the deal, and we both keep our deal, everything works fine. Yet here, we don't seem to have any responsibility on Noah's side. God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and the world will never be wiped out. Third, why is God now including Noah's children in the covenant when all conversations, commands, and communications have really been directed exclusively at Noah and it's been up to Noah to pass on those instructions to his family? I think that in order to answer these questions and then to resolve the issue of of why we have this standalone covenant, um, we really need to return to the end of the previous Aliyah and the very last verse where God says, for the second time in that same Aliyah, Va'atem peru urvu shirtsu va'aretz urvu van. You be fruitful and multiply and fill up the land, etc. That is the second time that God commands Noah to be fruitful and to multiply. And there, at the very end of the last Aliyah, I suggested uh, that God repeated the command because he had given all these warnings about murder and killing, so therefore he wanted to, to kind of revisit the idea of what I want you to do is to reproduce. And that's possible, but I think if we take a look carefully at that second pruravu, that second be fruitful and multiply, we'll notice that there's an extra word, v'atem, and you be fruitful and multiply. And this word, v'atem, balances perfectly against or with the first word of God's covenant here, va'ani, va'atem purvu, va'ani, I'm going to do the follow thing, following things as described in verse 9, chapter 9. Va'ani, hinani mekime priti techem, ve'ed zarachem acharechem, and behold, I will establish my covenant with you and with your children or with your offspring that come after you. Based on this juxtaposition with the Pruervu verse at the end of the previous Aliyah, it seems that one could argue that in spite of God's promise not to wipe out the earth and the things on the earth, Noah, and in particular his children, considering that they were actually of childbearing ages, his children are refusing to have babies. This is similar to Rashi, but Rashi says that they didn't want to have babies 
in the previous Aliyah, so God, in the previous Aliyah, promised them that the world would not be destroyed, and that was good enough for them. But then God comes on his own here in this Aliyah and adds a new covenant, essentially increasing the, I don't know, reliability, the promise level by an extra notch. But I think that what's going on here is that even after the promise, that is, first they wouldn't have kids, so God promised them. But then even after the promise from the last chapter, they still can't bring themselves to have children. Picture it from their viewpoint. Everything that they knew in the world has been destroyed. Everyone they know is dead. And they figure, listen, God, you can make a promise to us, and we believe you. But we know mankind. Our offspring will eventually, one generation, if it takes two generations or in a hundred generations, they will, they will go back to sin as sure as day turns into night. So who's to say what you'll do then? So that's why God has to bring the children into, into the picture here. And he has to take it up one notch. And it's not just a promise anymore, but it's a covenant where each side has its responsibilities, which makes it much, much stronger. And the covenant really begins with the final verse of the previous Aliyah. Atem, your responsibility is to have babies. That's your part of the deal. Make sure that babies have babies and babies and generations go on and on. Va'ani, and on my side of the covenant, I'll make sure that my promise not only affects you, that I won't wipe out you and your families, but I won't wipe out your offspring far into the future. Essentially, as long as you keep the generations coming, I won't wipe out the generations of the world. And not only you, but the et kol nefesh shachaya sheritachem ba'of and with all life that are with you, from the birds and the cattle and all the animals of the earth with you, from everything that exited the ark, for all the animals of the land. It's a repetitive verse, but the key is to, to essentially confirm that all life, X, Y, Z, the whole panoply of life, is going to be included in this promise. Of course, you can't make a covenant with an animal, so to speak, but they can be covered by a covenant that God is now making with Noah's children. And since the Torah interrupted the covenant with a long list of creatures covered by the covenant, God goes back to restate, And I will establish my covenant with, with you all, Notice it's itachem with you all, because it's not so much Noah that's critical here, but it's the children who are critical here, because they're the ones who have to have the babies. That all flesh will never be cut off due to the waters of cataclysm, and there will never be another cataclysm to destroy the land. It's repetitive a bit, but but I think the sense is that that... Essentially, people do die from floods. So he can't promise that nobody will die from floods. But he says, When it comes to floods, they won't cause all life to be destroyed. And then he continues on to say, And no complete cataclysm will destroy the earth itself, the very land upon which um, civilization rests. And that dual aspect of God promising not to destroy both the creatures as well as the land itself, we've seen the promise, and now we see here in the covenant. Vayomer Elohim zot ot habrit asher ani notein beini uveinichem uvein kol nefesh chaya asher itchem ladorot alam. God said this. Now the word zot always indicates that there's an object or item being referred to or being pointed at, although obviously God's not pointing at anything, but he's certainly showing it to uh, Noah and his children. We'll see what the object is in a second, although I'm sure you know the story and you know what the object is. But getting back to the verse, this is the sign of the covenant for eternal generations. Notice that 
it's the, it's the, not the sign which is between you and me for eternal generations. It's the covenant. It's the breach which is for eternal generations. The, the verse sort of leaves the, the word Lodorot hanging at the end. And uh, uh, that is between me and you and between all life that is with you for all generations. Note that even there's an emphasis. The reason why the word Lodorot Olam, which is a very unusual phrase. It really doesn't show up in Tanakh. But it's left at the end even though it's really modifying something earlier in the verse is because he, he wants to make that stand out because that's what's bothering Noah and the kids. Listen, we're fine, but generation after generation after generation is going to get wiped out. And God says, no, you keep the generations going. And the covenant will match that time span generation for generation. And now we get to the object which will be used as a sign for this covenant which is between uh, God and uh, Noach's children and Noach. Et kashti natati be'anan berit I have placed my bow, and that's the rainbow, in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the land. Meaning, I think, between the people living in the land, because you don't make a covenant with, with land, you make a covenant with people living in the land. Now, there are two ways to understand this rainbow, the sign of the rainbow. One is that the rainbow is a brand new creation. That perhaps God has changed nature in some way to make light refract for the first time, and before this there was no such thing as a rainbow. The second way to understand this, and I think this is the correct way, and this is also Ibn Ezra's opinion, who argues with Rabbeinu Sajigon, is that this is not, this rainbow is not a new creation. It's been there all along, because while a sign and oat can be a miracle, for instance, like Moses's Moshe's snake, uh, that turned to a staff and back, or a staff that turned to a snake, and his leprous hand when he put it in his shirt and then took it out and it was leprous. Certainly an oat can be uh, miraculous. However, an oat can also be identifiable natural events that are leveraged or used to be a symbol or a reminder of a covenant or another important issue. For instance, the Sabbath according to Exodus, uh, Shemot 31.13, is a sign for the people to remember that God is the one who sanctifies them, just like he sanctified the Sabbath. Sabbath isn't a new creation. The Sabbath is an old creation that God is now leveraging to show, just like I made the Sabbath holy, so too I make you holy. Achet Shabtotai Tishmaru, Ki Oti Beni Yuveinechem, Ladorotechem, Ladat Ki Ani Hashem Akadishchem. In this sense, a sign is not a miraculous item, but it's essentially a mnemonic device. It's a tickler to say, just like I want you to remember that this is true, I give you a sign which somehow makes it easy for you to understand that my covenant is going to be established or this fact that I've told you is true. So in my opinion, there was always a rainbow which was created by the refraction of light, by water drops in the rain clouds, and that's the way it was from day number one of creation. What God is saying is, just like rainbows always accompany and follow the rain, so too my covenant will be consistent as well. Let's see if this explanation fits the next verses. I think you'll see it fits very nicely. And whenever uh, I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in those clouds. And then, because every time I put clouds in the skies, there will be a, a bow seen in them, I will remember my covenant that is between me and all of you, and between all the living flesh, or, or living things of all flesh, that the water will never again be as a cataclysm to destroy all flesh. 
And the bow will be in the clouds and I will see it, God is speaking, in order to remember an eternal covenant between God and all life uh, that is alive in all flesh that is on the earth. Obviously God doesn't forget things, but since Noah's children won't have kids, they're, 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 it's not that they don't want to have kids, they're afraid to have kids. Because they're afraid somewhere down the road, their great, 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 great grandkid will do something horrible, and they feel that God will destroy everything that they've done to create a brand new Pruervu civilization. So God says, listen, just like every time uh, 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 the rainbow show, uh, clouds come and the rainbow shows up, and that reminds that that is used as a reminder for for a similar event that God will just like the rainbow comes unfailingly, so too will God unfailingly make sure that every generation will survive and He will not destroy them regardless of whether they sin or not as He said in the previous Aliyah. Essentially what God is saying is how can I quote-unquote forget a covenant that is anchored on an ever-present occurrence of this rainbow which always follows the rain and the clouds. And finally the section ends off by tying everything together. God goes back to talking to the patriarch to, to Noah himself and God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and every flesh and all flesh which is on the earth.